2: Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues and interviews,
1: by students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com.
0: Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Ettler. This week, it's the start of medical student performance evaluation season. And we'll talk about this important document that nobody knows about until... It's too late.
1: could Spinky. help...
0: Yes, it could help or hinder your ability to find a job. Dun-dun-dun. That's my sort of clickbait. That'll be my clickbait mm. headline for the show. Yeah. Uh, also, the Trump administration signs the so-called Right to Try Bill. Will it hurt or hinder desperately ill patients? Mm. And we've got a listener question from Megan. Will our answers help or hinder her future success as a med student? There's no way to tell
3: ahead of time we could we could tank her if we're not careful depends how many gunners are in this group of people well here.
1: I'd say that's a solid 0% <laughs> <We've> got, <laughs> join um, us unless I have misinterpreted your personality I'm Don't a me.
3: Gemini so I uh, have the split personality you, you never know you I never
0: just, ever know apparently
1: I never know
3: I think you can assume that I'm just a bum all the time
0: <laughs> join us on a delightful romp to the world of medical education with my co-host Celine Sanduk. hi here wait. <laughs> oh, that was that wasn't what I meant to do. <laughs> this is what. I'll I'll do it for the next person. Tony Rosenberg. I have
3: a short coat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Why thanks. Are people laughing thank you. At Tony. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're you're too much. You're too much.
0: And Jaden Bowen. Hi everyone. I gotta work on my timing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I feel like the show could use more sound effects like maybe like ooga and beep beep and things like I like, like that. the slow taper on that one. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's great. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are here today. I'm so glad you're with me. Uh, you're not just lovely people and all, but you're also a fine slice of the medical school experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Aline who's an MD-PhD. We've got uh, in her PhD phase.
1: That's right. Officially a Ph.D. candidate. She
0: passed her Ooh, comps I after I think and I think we did. We talk on the show about
2: your
3: I don't difficult to do the applause. Dave. Did
2: we? I don't have applause. Oh, dang. I just have laughing At comps. That was a quick and easy like two day experience, right? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's it's like getting a shot. I um, feel like the we, longest six month <laughs> long shot. I
0: feel <laughs> like we did. We maybe didn't talk about it, about your particular process yeah. on the show.
1: I think we we talked talked about about it it offline, Offline. yeah, Yeah, but not on the show. It wasn't easy. No. um... So for for people who don't know, the comprehensive exam is uh, a feature relatively common, I think, to all graduate programs Mm -hmm. where, you know, it varies from like an actual test to a proposal, um, which is kind of an intellectual exercise where you, you know, propose a question and then Sort of design experiments to test that thing, and then you have to defend it in person. And you have a committee, which you can sometimes choose yourself, and sometimes it's the same as your thesis committee, or sometimes it's assigned to you, which means that you can't stack it with easy people who are really nice. Um, and then you meet in person, and they, you know, try to poke holes and try to knock you off keel. Um, and you have to kind of defend your judgment and your decisions. And so. Um, yeah, here, for immunology anyway, it's, it's pretty tough. It's definitely tough and drawn out. Yeah. But it's very rigorous, and I think it says a lot about um, the quality of the people who graduate from the immunology program. They're all top people, so it's...
0: In, in your case, you were basically told, go back and fix it all, <laughs> right?
1: Well, okay. And it was a
0: surprise to you and a surprise to people who you'd worked with. To get to that point yes but you know it's something that you basically have to roll with that punch and
1: yeah I I took my lumps you know just like every other grad student Um, my first abstract was rejected but that actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I think it would have been really hard to defend it was objectively more complex than my second abstract so the second one was accepted and then I had four weeks to write the full proposal and then um, the proposal, like you have to have your abstract accepted before you can defend, but the defense doesn't hinge on the proposal. It's just like a, a more like drawn out or like a more detailed version of your abstract. So you send that so that they kind of know what you're gonna do and talk about. And then you have your defense and they, so this is the hardest thing I think, they kick you out of the room to talk about you first. And then you come back in and you give your presentation and some people will let you get through your talk um, before they start asking questions. Some people will interrupt you as you go along. It's very person dependent. And then they kick you out again, and then they talk. And the worst thing is when you're standing in the hallway and you just hear them laughing, you're like, what is that about? Are they <laughs> laughing about me? <laughs> Are they laughing about my work? Or do they do it for psych warfare? I don't know.
0: They're probably just talking about, you know, their kids or something. Their, their a TV, show they, watch TV show they watched last mm-hmm. night. They're just, yeah. maybe they're making you sit there and, do Sweat a slow
3: burn <laughs> while they. I have to admit, Man. I had a lot of different images kind of flowing through my mind when you were describing this process. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one was like a marriage proposal. And then you're like, <laughs> propose, you propose, and then you have to defend it. And you have like a fencing sword, but like a really actually dangerous one. And you have to defend yourself. And all the while, people are trying to like poke holes in you. And if they make a point that you can't defend then they literally just like get to like stab you with these long pointy mm-hmm. swords. It's mm-hmm. very unfortunate and that's then
2: evocative. yeah and then people yeah. get tetanus and die. That's why we don't have any emeritus professors in immunology is they just they yeah. slow down and can't keep up with those PhD students. I you think you this think, is true.
0: You think that's, right. that's it? That, well That's hey, not why
2: I'm not doing that's why I'm not doing an MD
0: PhD. That's one image that you can take away of this process. Anyway mm-hmm. congratulations you 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 made it through you turned it around or whatever metaphor you want to use mm-hmm. and when you resubmitted you or when you
1: so i submitted my new abstract that right. got accepted and then at my defense um they asked me so i passed so you can either pass or fail or pass with revisions and the revision that i was asked to do was to write a third aim so you submit two aims kind of based on the nih um guidelines for submitting a proposal Um, but what was a little bit unusual is that i was asked to uh, to write a review like a critical review of the literature on a specific cell type in mice across different cancer models and so like usually uh, labs are like solicited to write these things because they're they have expertise in it and they're given like months of notice so they have a long time to do that so It was not an easy task.
0: You were basically doing the work of a well-designed review of studies that would have taken place over a lot of time and with a certain budget and, you know, support and all this. Like (laughs) you were basically doing something that was publishable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People publish things like
0: that. Yeah. You should publish the shit out of that.
1: It was. Yeah. I'm going to (laughs) try. I'm going to try. Yeah. So the original proposal is 15 pages Uh and they gave me a 10 page limit for the new aim and the review. So I was like, so basically you want two thirds of a new proposal. Well, yeah, it was
0: rough. And then so, yeah. Anyway, a couple days ago, Aline blew up my phone uh, with separate text messages for each
3: word. I passed my cops. Yay. We are yeah.
1: I was really excited.
3: Were they sound clips? I wish they were. They should be.
0: I will do
1: that next next time. I was like, what? God's name. Yeah.
3: Is it just me or is it weird that abstracts are called abstracts? Because if they were actually abstract, they would be really crappy abstracts and no one would like you would get rejected right away. I think you're
0: thinking of the abstract painting versus the abstract writing, which...
1: Here's Picasso's interpretation of my <laughs> proposal. Yes. Well,
3: is it... I don't know. What's the definition when you think of the word abstract? You're abstracting
0: from the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. Okay. I'm going to mansplain this. Oh, please. Please mansplain <laughs> to me. You're abstracting from your full intentions... You're abstracting from your full intentions on a study the essential details of the study so that you can it basically you know it, so to, to turn it into a brief description right it's a,
1: it's a summary of the plan so but it's one page and it's well actually we get two pages but the specific aims page quote-unquote is one page usually when you submit to the NIH yeah. so like every square inch every square millimeter of realty has to count because you have so f- little space and like you you actually they give you um you can't do it any more than 0.5 inches all around for the margins and you can't use any smaller a uh, point uh, font than 11 point font <laughs> Um, because people, so people have all these people, tips and tricks. Yeah, so some people will go through a document like, and then- make
0: kerning their letters so that everything is like crammed together.
1: Yeah, well, some people will even take the punctuation and make that a smaller point font
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> just Lord. to buy
1: a little space. <laughs> yeah.
3: That is-
1: So every word- dedication. Has to count, I've yeah.
3: decided I'm going to write a science uh, edition of Amelia Bedelia, those children's books. We yeah. It. <laughs> and it's going to be like, She's gonna write a really abstract, abstract, and submit it, and people will be like, "I have no idea what you're doing." She's like, "Well, it said abstract."
1: It's a one sentence abstract.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I support that effort. Thanks.
1: Well, thank you for the congratulations. You're welcome.
3: Well, very good. You're Congrats, welcome. Elaine.
1: Thank you. I mean, Aline. Tainy. thank <laughs> you. I mean, Tony. Sorry.
0: Hey, I have a listener question from Megan. She wants to know about establishing a med school routine.
1: I first want to thank you for your podcasting. You're welcome. I've been listening for about a year and I have pretty well listened to all episodes of the Short Code podcast by now.
0: Only a year, I can finally
1: take advice for incoming pre-meds because I now am one. I will be attending medical school in Ontario in the fall. My question has to do with your day-to-day life and routine as a med student. I think it will be important for me to develop a morning and evening routine so I can stay on top of things while retaining a sense of balance. My question... Questions for you are, do you find that having and staying in routine is helpful as a med student? Do you prefer to plan out each day as it comes? What are some interesting, unique, or necessary parts of your daily or weekly routine that you would like to share? Thanks again for having important and funny mm-hmm. conversations. I hope to make friends like you at my med school.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that was that part so I, sweet. I hope to make friends so nice. like us as well. Just... <laughs> I don't know what besides about. us, <laughs> besides Thanks, you, Dave. yes,
1: Megan. Congratulations, that's really nice news! Yeah, that is
0: exciting. Yeah, um, routines.
2: Do you guys engage in routines? Aline, would you like yeah. to take the pro and she'll take the con?
1: Okay, sure. Um, well, okay, in all, in full disclosure, in med school, um, I tried many different things, uh, to establish a routine, but I like there just wasn't a lot of wiggle room to try different stuff. You just had to find the first thing that worked for you as far as scheduling, how to study, where to study, under what circumstances. And then if it was good enough, you just stuck with it because there's not a lot of room for troubleshooting.
0: Yeah, you have no protected space to go, okay, did that work? Well, how can I change that? You know, like there's sort of a desperate flailing, do you think, in your first? Yeah. I mean, you, you recently did it. In your first, like... Flailing is a very
1: accurate <laughs> term,
0: yes. In the first, I don't know, even semester of, uh, of med school.
1: Yeah, having a routine, I think maybe is ideal. Would you agree with that, Jaden?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It would be nice to have one, but it's really hard to establish one, especially early on. But I think most people would say after their first semester, maybe they have one. What do you think, Tony?
3: I don't think I've ever had a routine in my entire life.
1: Oh,
0: so
3: like, literally, I'm not just being sarcastic. How does that work for you, Tony?
0: I mean, you've got routines. Come on, you you do you wake up at the same time every day? No. Tony okay. has a
1: scheduled nap, actually, in two minutes. <laughs> he's, he's,
3: I, I mean, I guess I have a routine in the sense that I brush my teeth every morning and every right, night. Okay. Um, but it's not at the same time. I don't do the same things every day. I don't know. I think I'm definitely got some Type A qualities, but. I'm kind of a type A minus. I wouldn't say that I'm a full-on A. Are maybe there a B plus?
0: But well, okay. So I'm just going to throw this. Maybe there are routines that are focused on um, different events. So, like, say you have a test mm-hmm. on Friday. Is there a routine te- of test day? Mm. No.
3: I'm totally skeptical, but okay. I don't think so. At least, maybe not consciously. Okay. I don't know.
1: I know some people would listen. They would like make a, a soundtrack of music that like pumps them up before tests. Mm-hmm. And they would listen to that as like their pre test ritual. Okay. Sounds
2: like the last thing I need. I do I need listen, listen to music. Soothing before. music.
1: Yeah. Instrumental yeah. piano only.
3: Oh, I go for like Hearts on Fire Rocky Four. Mm. Oh,
1: good one. Yeah. yeah.
0: I like Gregorian chants when I am, uh, when I'm feeling stressed out. Maybe that's a
1: singing bowl concert.
0: Maybe that's a, <laughs> that's yeah. a, yes. Uh, Eric Whitaker is a composer. Surely that Eric is a, great. Is a composer that I listen to sometimes when I'm, uh, when I'm feeling particularly freaked out or like, um,
3: have you ever heard of Frippin'
0: Eno? I don't think that's, I don't think I have. Um, is that a,
3: it's so they're both. It's so it's.
0: Fri- Is that a, a, a some sort of
3: exhortation? No. Like that you happens when you slam your thumb in the car door. So it's
1: fripp. Frippino. Fripp Frip
3: and Eno. Oh okay. Fripp and Eno. Um, they were, I think they were both kind of rock musicians back in the day, but they have this one album from maybe nineteen seventy something, and it just has a super peaceful picture of. Uh, it's like basically a sunrise, very like basic lines, and then it's just very ambient music. I probably listened to it 600 times.
0: Maybe, well, sounds kind of like, uh, you know, from my day, things like Enya. No, I was just
1: thinking that. Kind of, but
3: no singing. Okay. No Enya singing. Okay, yeah. Kind of though. Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, music, we've got a. we've established maybe a music routine of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's probably really healthy to establish some kind of routine, like waking up at the same time. Uh, Nothing at all. Depends on who you are. If if you enjoy living a life of
0: chaos, Tony, who are we to judge? Thank you.
1: Yeah, I feel like chaos is a good way to describe med school. (laughs) It is really chaotic. It's more studying than most people have ever done. In their lives you know even for people who like studying it's a bit too much
3: I guess this is my thing here's my theory okay so med school is super regimented and very like you have to be here at this time wearing your white coat doing this thing it's all you have a test this Friday and every Friday you Yeah. yeah so for me it's like actually more anxiety producing or provoking if I have a routine because when I walk out these doors, I just want to be free. I want to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. I see. I'll get my stuff done, but I don't want to be I don't know, like, all right, done with class at three from three to three forty five. I will make the commute home and I will prep a snack. Then at four PM <laughs> sharp, I will start studying until five thirty when I will commence preparation for my dinner for that evening. It's just like it's so regimented it, it I don't know, I can't. I yeah. Can't. Well,
0: there are routines and there are routines, right? I mean you 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 can make them as regimented as you want or as flexible. Yeah,
1: you gotta as you do want. what works for you for sure. And so routines aren't good for everyone, I would say.
2: The but. problem I would run into with the regimented nature of like the first year is that I'd try and get into a routine, I'd do good for a few weeks and then something would change and it doesn't have to change much, but yeah. it just it mm-hmm. throws you off. That's a really good point yeah. because
0: I mean each semester is different also in terms of, you know, the classes that you're, the mm-hmm. classes that you're uh, taking and all that kind of stuff. Um, the material is different. The, and, and so, you know, a lot of times I've heard that the old routine that maybe worked for you, didn't no longer worked anymore and so you had to find a new routine
1: that's true I think certain subjects like no. weren't a different approach yeah <laughs> some are just pure memorization others you can kind of reason your way through I completely agree with Jaden mm-hmm. actually you could get into a routine and then the smallest thing would change and because there's so little wiggle room in med school it's hard to incorporate that change and by the time you have there's a new change something else has changed yeah so
0: I, I mean i if 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 uh, Megan here were interested in establishing some sort, of, like if she felt that she needs a routine, um, you know, then go for it. Just maybe keep in mind that um you can't be inflexible about it. Mm-hmm. number one, maybe keep your initial th- routine thoughts about your routine. Um, open enough that they can be, you know, modified when
3: the need arises. You know, don't just be, you know, just I guess be like that's what I'm kind of saying. Yeah. Like, in a loose sense.
1: I think your body very quickly tells you what kind of routine you're going to have. Like your body tells you what it needs. And like not having a routine is a routine in and of itself. I leave school. My plan now is to do nothing, to have unscheduled, unstructured mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So.
0: You're- test day. I start out with a loose bowel
3: movement because <laughs> my life is... <laughs> yeah. Have I told you about my first anatomy exam experience? Speaking of... Oh, no. I want to know yeah. why
1: a loose... Uh, oh, you'll see. Yeah, okay. You'll see why.
3: Right. I won't, I won't <laughs> leave no stone unturned. So our first anatomy exam, I remember it was... I can't remember the exact time. Maybe let's say it was at 11 p.m. And so... I thought, for whatever reason, it was at 11.30 p.m. So I'm here, like 10.45, just doing my thing, I'm studying outside, it's a beautiful fall day. Then I realized, I start looking around, it's like 11.20, I see no one. Like, there, there, there might as well have been like tumbleweeds blowing across like the alleyways. And so I looked at my schedule again And in a fit of panic realized that I was 20 minutes late at this point. Yeah, so then I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off first went here. Well, it wasn't here Then I went to Bowen wasn't there and then I found out it was in the library or something like that And uh, so I went all these different places and I like burst in there and they looked at me and said "Um, Why are you so late and then I went into this like one or two minute thing where I said well, I have irritable bowel syndrome and I was stuck in the bathroom and I just I really didn't know what to do. So I got here as soon as I could. And they like cut me off after a couple sentences and just said, you know, just go take your time. You let, let me get this straight. I, I do have you walked into a room syndrome.
0: full of your fellow students and and claimed IBS was your. Yeah.
1: Oh, did, yeah. I, did other people hear you say that? I or hope just... so. Oh. So, so it was less embarrassing to say you had IBS than to admit you just didn't read the instructions correctly. It
3: just seemed like the natural thing. And I was I was at the point where I, I didn't you... know if they were going to fail me because I just didn't show up. Yeah. And now I know they would be like, you know, just finish it. Yeah. You have this amount of time to finish it and you need to finish it. Mm. Uh, yeah. I I think you would probably have chosen to do it differently if you had had a moment to like I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) I I really don't (laughs) because think about it if they were gonna get mad or I was gonna get punished how can you punish someone for having irritable bowel syndrome being stuck in the bathroom you can't we don't advocate lying to your uh... (laughs) <laughs> to
0: no, your professors. I, that's what I was hoping to. Draw you definitely out of you, took but...
2: the approach to get the fewest number of like follow-up questions. Yes. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> No one's gonna right. inquire right. further. They're like, so how Jayden loose was the it? Day. They like pull out those
3: like poop models that they have in GI clinics <laughs> oh and have me point God. to the picture that it looked like. Uh, once again, I yeah. just want to point out Tony's on a show where we're talking about his poop. <laughs>
0: it's been
1: a long uh, time
3: it has been a long time but i have to stay true to my roots it has come up if
1: you must use that excuse though you should commit as hard as tony did yes and and prepare the information because there's no backing out once you go down that road as a person with
3: ibs he has plenty of experience to point to the right thing on the chart Mm -hmm. i contemplated having like a string of toilet paper on my shoe oh (laughs) i didn't didn't go that far thank god yeah
1: really embellishing sounds, the lie. Yeah.
3: Getting, yeah. Back to the, getting back to the
0: actual question, it sounds like maybe one routine should be, uh, you know, review your schedule in yes. detail. That's good. Um, That's a good. One. On occasion. Yeah. 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 Every couple of days.
1: Yeah. A couple the of other months. months. Every, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have been, I, and to be honest, like if I were a med student, that would be where I would definitely screw up the most because I am any, I am dicey about schedule mm-hmm. commitments. I am Likely to unless it's unless I do it the same way every week same if yeah. unless my schedule is the same every week So like, you know for instance, Fridays. I always know uh, recording at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock for the podcast I don't miss that right, but the mm-hmm. instant something changes, you know, my kids are gonna get left at school <laughs> Because of your because I didn't Know that I was supposed to pick them up <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that's a good yeah. routine is get really used to just waking up and immediately checking your Google calendar. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good one. Um, any other any other
0: routines or non routines you want to?
1: Well, I just had a thought um, that it depends on the school, too, mm. because the the regularity that you're describing with your routine, Dave, I think like our med school tried to build that into the curriculum as much as possible. But the year that I went through, I think they were still test driving, you know, different days and times mm-hmm. of the week to have certain small groups. And yeah,
0: you you uh, were not the first to go through the revised curriculum. I, I, think. I was. You were.
1: I guess they they were rolled one, out one. the partial. Two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe the partial for the class. That of 2017. makes sense.
0: Okay, now that I'm thinking about your cohort, yeah, that makes sense. You were so you were among the first to go through this sort of revised curriculum that we had, this new way of doing things, which yeah. is, you know, worked out well, but, you know, at some point there were some people who were,
1: we were the being forced to stumble
0: through. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think, so when I interviewed, one of the, like, big draws for me was that all of the lectures were recorded and I didn't have to come to class. I could study on my own schedule and I really liked that. And there weren't as many small groups. But then they changed the curriculum and suddenly you had to be on campus basically every day of the week for one reason or another. And you're not going to trek all the way here for an hour long thing and then trek all the way back. So I had to be on campus and I didn't like that as much. I don't I don't like studying in the vicinity of other people because I'm very Mm. anxiety stricken when I study. And I don't like for people to see that about me.
3: I have a library complex. I can't do libraries. Mm. I feel like there's knowledge that's there. And mm. things that I should be learning that I don't know. Mm. And I got very, so If you're <laughs> I got very torn up about it. I can't do it. So you're like, oh my God, all this knowledge that yeah. surrounds me, I'm supposed to know all of it. And it's overwhelming. I have to leave. I need to
1: you'll, focus. On, all you'll right. find out all these weird quirks about yourself too in med school, Megan and others.
2: Mm-hmm. About halfway through the first semester, I realized I needed to just give in and study at the coffee shop since mm-hmm. I would be going either way. So,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So but, sounds like there's routines. Just. I think it's one of those things that you figure out like first semester is always a little bit wonky and kind of catching your footing but then I don't know it just became for me you know doing nothing after I'm done for the day it's like I know at this point how much I need to study to do what I need to do to get the grades that I want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that becomes more clear and once that becomes clear you kind of start realizing oh I have this much free time or I can fill it with this or that and you know. I think it becomes clearer over time too.
0: I'm gonna propose a routine for Megan to follow. I'm just gonna make shit up off the top of my head, but I think it's gonna be good. Good. Okay, we're ready. That's how I <laughs> I roll. Okay. Sunday. Review your schedule for the coming week. Make sure you know where you're supposed to be and when.
1: That's there. a good one.
0: All right. Easy. Second. Looking at that schedule, then also pick out some opportunities for that week that you don't have to do, but that you know doing them would make you have some enjoyment in your life. They could be med school opportunities, they could be outside med school opportunities, whatever they are,
1: mm.
0: pick those, mm-hmm. a couple of those that week.
1: Scheduling some bright spots into your week definitely helps.
0: Yeah, but not a tanning bed. You yeah. don't endorse that. No, we don't endorse yeah. tanning. Tanning Thank you, Tony. You're welcome. Uh,
1: especially if, uh, especially not if you survived uh, or had a premonition about a plane crash and then didn't get on the plane and then death chases you and.
3: Oh yeah, then you definitely don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> you guys see that? Thing? I know, I, I know exactly what you're thing. talking.
3: Yep, <laughs> know exactly what you're saying. There, pop culture reference for
0: you. Yes. Uh, third. Um, I can't remember what third was going to be because of plane crashes and
3: tanning beds. Hmm. Fly Uh, as little as possible. uh, Get really high SPF sunscreen. Decide
0: what it is that week that is going to be most difficult for you. And then pick out, I don't know, a semi-flexible period or periods of time to devote to that. And that's it to begin with when you get to med school, sure as you proceed through the semester, you're going to discover things that you know will work better than that um things to add to that routine if you want um things that you know aren't working out so well about Dave etler's advice and and you'll adjust um but that I feel like that should be like. Because you know, you guys are always picking out like what's high yield, right? Yeah. Mm. What is high yield about what I'm learning this week, and what is low yield? Yeah. You know, um, like even when it comes to like what you're studying for a particular exam, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So.
1: I mean, in theory, they want you to learn everything and know everything just to be safe, but. In reality, that's a physical impossibility, because...
2: We, we actually got that advice uh, first semester when we asked, like, you know, what is what is most important in this block of information is... Well, you should probably just know all of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you guys watch The Office?
2: Mm, uh, scarcely. Only six or seven times I'm More of a three. Seinfeld man.
1: Six or seven times three. Yeah. Oh, Seinfeld's also good. There's that episode where Michael, uh, like says something that oscar doesn't know and oscar is like the resident know-it-all and so he like, about china yeah that's right yep. that's right mm. there's some mm-hmm. quote i can't remember what it is but it's like so they decided to schedule a conversation about china and he's like so i should probably know the history and the politics well to be safe i should just learn everything ever <laughs> yeah and then i'll be okay yeah and that's what med school is
3: yeah i think my biggest thing is to be flexible yeah and don't be hard. We're getting that. From like, you know. don't be don't be hard on yourself. What you if you have a routine or you have something that you pick out for that week, and you don't get around to That's it. That's true. Yeah, you know, like, I think that there is a good thing to setting goals and being like, yeah, I'd like to do this or that. But there are a lot of times that maybe that night comes and I just feel like I want to veg out right yep. now, or I or I want to focus
0: on something else, or right.
3: you know, Whatever. something came
0: up that. um I realized is going to be even better to focus on, Mm. you know, whatever, whatever that, you know, don't, don't get married to your routine such that you miss opportunities and you miss, um, the important stuff that
2: comes up. Can I float a a slightly different idea, idea here? Yeah. Instead of maybe thinking of it as a rigid routine, more of the, more of a rhythm. Okay. Getting into a rhythm. Um, -hmm. I
3: like
0: that.
2: I think especially, yeah, with our curriculum, You know, my rhythm because I'm a bad student was to (laughs) pretend I wasn't in med school for a week and then cram for a week in preparation for the test. It was kind of like the the interval rhythm, my friend. The interval training (laughs) method of med school. Yeah. High intensity,
3: short duration. (laughs) It was great, though. (laughs) Like those weeks that you're pretending you're not are just,
2: you're flying. Oh, yeah. Just, I could do whatever. Hanging out outside with your friends. Like, Yeah. yeah.
1: Definitely be nice to yourself. Definitely Mm -hmm. go easy on yourself. Don't beat yourself up too much. It's normal to get overwhelmed.
2: And prioritize you, whether you have a routine or a rhythm. Uh, Find the things you like to do and keep doing them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Totally.
1: You maybe can't do everything that you do now. So some people are like, oh, how many hobbies should I keep? I'm like, one. You pick one, (laughs) you commit to that, because that's about all you'll have time.
0: Philip Huang claims to be a serial hobbyist. So although he only does one hobby at a time,
3: he purposefully picks new hobbies constantly. Mm. I taught Um, myself guitar when I was studying for step one. So. (laughs) To remain sane. Hey. Just saying. That's great. Yeah. All right. Very good. Megan, uh, give us a,
0: you can, I mean, you can contact us any old time you want. But I would love to know, uh, Megan, once you get through your first semester, uh, what you decided to do, whether you decided to take our advice. If you decided to take our advice, was it good advice? Um, That would be fantastic. Uh, I'd love to hear more about your experience in your first semester of medical school. You can do that by contacting us at theshortcoats at gmail.com or you can uh, leave us a message at at 347-short-CT or reach out to us on the social medias, any of those things works for us um the
1: facebook the twitter the
0: facebook the twitter myspace any of those things
1: (laughs) the live journal the dead journal we're not
0: we're not on myspace um (laughs) all right it's coming another day another article that implies physicians are going to be replaced by artificial intelligence cool uh a new study has found for the first time that ai is better than doctors at spotting skin cancer uh, the study has found that most dermatologists were outperformed by a, a, uh, convolutional neural network at finding malignant mm. melanomas. 58 Indeed. dermatologists from 17 countries participated, more than half of whom had at least five years of experience, and then were cons- and thus were considered experts. Okay.
3: Does that include a residency?
0: I- I'm sure it does. They were shown a hundred images of skin lesions and were asked whether the moles were malignant or benign and how they would manage the condition if they were, well, the condition. Um, They, then, uh, then they were later given clinical info about the patient, more clinical info, basically close-up images of the same lesions, the lesions location, the age and the sex of the patient, and then they were asked again for a diagnosis and management plans. Meanwhile, The neural network just looked at 300 malignant, uh... Or, 300 lesions along with their diagnoses, and, you know, just allowed to figure out, like, okay, yes or no, malignant or not. So the results were that dermatologists detected 87% of the melanomas and 73% of the non-malignant lesions on the first look, the one that didn't include more information than just the image. AIs found 95% of melanomas and misdiagnosed fewer benign moles. Uh, with more information, uh, Derms Maybe got derm a little better. Maybe more competitive. <laughs> uh, dermatologists got 89% of mel- mel- melanomas with additional information and 76% of non-malignant lesions, so they improved like 2 or 3%. But we're still outperformed. By the
1: it used to be network. that you only had to compete against other human beings to be the best. Now you have to compete against other people and this supercomputer that is going to beat you every time.
3: There are certain things, though, that it just makes sense that it would be an algorithmic process like radiology. Yeah. It's like if you run that and you just compare each side and say, here's this computer algorithm comparing these pixels to those pixels. And oh, these clump of voxels is different than that side flag. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like I'm just going to throw out a number here.
0: 85% of medicine is algorithmic. Yeah. I mean, Pat- pretty pattern high, recognition, yeah. yeah. I I I just made that number up. A, a, a large percentage of medicine, it's the other, you know, X whatever, 15% of medicine that really deserves some, you know, really focused thought and, you know, problem solving behind it that the algorithms may not be able to completely get
1: yeah I was gonna say I think it'll be medicine before it's before it comes for surgery because that that is still something that we outperform machines at is like the fine motor detail that you need Mm -hmm. like remove a tumor or to like to Mm -hmm. perform any kind of thinking on the fly yeah Yeah, because
0: using your intuition like okay that is not tumor that is tumor you you know
1: yeah yeah And knowing where to cut and how to cut and how much pressure to apply.
3: I mean, even if there was like an, for radiology again, for example, or for this derm scenario, if there was an algorithm that you got the image or you submitted an image and then it was just scanned in, spat out, you know, a diagnosis or what, whatever they thought was the pathology there. And then a person could review that just to make sure if it was an iffy, confusing scenario, but like, I don't know how many Tib fib fractures is yeah is a robot gonna miss. It's pretty clear there's a line <laughs> through that bone. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> not very complicated there. Those yeah. bones are not aligning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There and should that would, not be black space there. Yeah.
3: And that would then allow, you
0: know, so if if the computer did the first pass and you glanced at it and was like, Yep, I agree. That would then allow you to focus your attention on the cases that deserved more. Yeah. More scrutiny. The the authors say basically say, you know, we don't think this is proof that dermatologists are gonna, you know, go away. Um, But more that you know, they AI and derm and dermatologists will work
2: together to see. That's key because I think people, when we start talking about AI, they always start thinking about replacing people replacing physicians, whatever job. Um, I think the future is AI as physician extenders. You know, you have a Watson. Goodbye physician assistants. (laughs) Oh, man. Ouch. No. I I kid, I kid. They would also be physician assistant extenders. Um, <laughs> you know, because there will be tasks the AI will be better at. Um, and it may be something where you order at AI to take a look at a picture of a lesion. Um, or it could be you have uh, a Watson that you carry around. And when you're wondering the percent of patients with condition X treated with, you know, uh, pharmaceutical A that develop side effect B you know you can ask and it can uh, review the literature and try and spit something out at you but and then basically you use your clinical judgment to be like yeah. okay I'm, I, I get that
0: or yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know that's doesn't it's not doesn't sound quite right to me or whatever yeah.
1: I think I agree that the machine can be very smart but it, it still needs a pilot
0: Th- thus far in the world of work Um, computers haven't replaced people as much as they have created new opportunities for people to do more work. So I can do, you know, in my job, I can do more now in computers than I could have in 1975. You know, 1975, I would have been in the typing pool and that would have been, you know, that would have been my job. Um that's no longer it's no longer necessary to have a typing pool and so now i can focus on you know using my brains for other and my time for other purposes
1: hmm.
0: that's where i think we're going bank on it people <laughs> just take that to the bank All right. unfortunately
1: for the listeners they can't see your sassy head bob I, they can
0: hear it though that's <laughs> true <laughs> This week, Congress passed and President Trump signed the so-called Right to Try Bill, which allows people with life-threatening illnesses to bypass FDA rules and get access to experimental, unapproved drugs. Thoughts?
1: So, I thought that already existed. I thought that was called compassionate use. But I don't know the differences, if maybe this new piece of law like, increases access somehow.
0: Well, the FDA already has an expanded access program, that may be part of what you're you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, and you can enroll in. I mean, of course, you can en- enroll in clinical trials that are you know currently taking place.
1: If it turns out that there's already a mechanism and they've just passed a new law that duplicates something that already exists, <laughs> I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> <laughs> that is a poor use of government time yeah. and resources. It's going to gonna make to, a well. That's the thing.
0: That's the thing. Laws. The okay. So it cuts the FDA out of the the process um this law mostly i mean they won't be overseeing it um it'll be mm-hmm. up to the drug manufacturers to report side effects to the fda on Drugs a for everyone yeah, right? uh, to report side effects on an occasional basis um and
3: i don't have a problem with this what could go wrong oh okay go ahead <laughs> i really i don't have a problem with it um It's like if I had some super rare condition that everyone said, oh, you have a few months left to live. I mean, first of all, I have a deep dish pizza rule. rule. Um, I I have one too. Yeah. So if it ever gets to the point (laughs) that my family has to decide, you know, Tony's either getting like a peg tube or an NG tube, or he's at risk for aspirating food, uh-huh. I'm saying give me all the deep dish pizza cuz that's like where I draw the line is if I can't eat deep dish pizza what if what it's blended? blended no <laughs> <laughs> no i so an episode to topic Ivy. coming Aye, so, what will tony's rule <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs>
1: how, far how far will tony will it go if to we blend facilitate the deep dish pizza, pizza will tony still
0: oh
3: depends where we get it from okay um <laughs> <William laughs> pen not a Bic pen is good uh, yeah, They are good um, so where I was going with this is, um, I don't have a problem with it because if it, if the patient decides, yeah, you know, I know that it's super high risk, but there's also nothing else that can be done.
2: I, I don't know what's wrong with that. I, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've got a, a few reservations that just kind of jumped out at me. One being that, um, insurance companies and Medicare and Medicaid aren't going to pay for a really expensive experimental drug. Um, but that's, this so, isn't really about like the logistics of how it would work. It's, I, it's like the ethics of if that's okay, right? Yeah, that's, that's where I'm getting to okay. is that I think you create another avenue for. Um, so kind of the language I saw around it was it's hope for patients. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hope for patients that can front a quarter of a million dollars to the pharmaceutical company Um, because the pharmaceutical companies probably aren't going to dish it out unless they're going to get uh, reimbursed. Yeah, there's no additional additional, uh, incentive for pharmaceutical
0: companies to even, you know, create these drugs that might be needed for people who are desperately ill, for instance.
1: On the contrary, I would assume that they would give it away for free in exchange for the data that they Mm. would be able to collect from that.
2: Well, then I think on the scientific side, you run into, will it be good data? You know, uh, this was, they, they've they kind of had this argument with breast cancer drugs uh, 20 or 30 years ago, and it ended up that they really needed to get it out there because it was helping people. Um, but yeah, you just run into, you have patients selecting themselves. But and But I, I, I mean, I agree that ideally it wouldn't be that
3: way, but so we're saying no patients should get treatment then just
2: because some can't? No, I, I would argue that an FDA regulated program to make sure that people are matched with drugs that might help them um, and in a way that is uh, equitable would is a great thing. Um, I think when you kind of throw it out to the wild west, I think you have the opportunity for inequalities in the people that are able to access the drugs. And I think uh, you run into scientific issues when people are essentially selecting themselves. I
3: mean, but we're not talking about like people being like, oh, like I have this, you know, really bad breast cancer and no one can treat it. So I'm going to get these cocaine eye drops over here that have nothing to do with my breast cancer. Well, that's the thing. I can get them. That is, in
0: fact, one of the things that people are concerned about. Because if you have, uh, let's say, I mean, because what we've talked about so far is the best case scenario where people's intentions are good. Mm -hmm. But what this doesn't do, what this thing doesn't do, according to critics, is protect patients when intentions are bad. So if you've got an unscrupulous provider or an unscrupulous clinic, and we know that they're out there, you know, then the possibility exists for them to sort of... Use the hope of their patients to line their pockets by getting them involved in these in these trials I don't know what the economics of these of these drugs of these experimental unapproved drugs. Are, I, I, I don't was, think we
3: know yet right and I guess I was assuming that these would be drugs that were like research had been kind of done a little bit there's, there's early some sta- so the
0: requirement is early stage testing for safety has to be completed and they so have to is be that, that a- phase one trial or is that in a petri dish that's all it okay says um, and also they have to be under active development so it can't be some sort of like thing that didn't work and so we're or not doing dusted it, it off right. the shelf and mm-hmm. gave it to somebody. but can the FDA enforce those rules that's probably among the questions yeah. that there's also the phrase life threatening in the law Mm -hmm. All right. So what do we mean by life threatening? Do we mean that hospice do we mean that uh, somebody has diabetes, you know, diabetes and hypertension, things that are life threatening, but
1: not potentially controllable or
0: is are we just restricting it to acute? But I mean, that's the devil is in the details. Yeah, Yeah. they probably meant
1: terminal. Yeah, like you
0: qualify for hospice care. That's how I would. My understanding, though, is that that the law doesn't say any of those things. It Hmm. just says life threatening illnesses. So again, yeah. the devil is in the details. You got to, you know, that's true. Having that. laws written by non-experts could end up bite, biting you mm-hmm. in in the ass. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I mean, I'm not personally, I'm not completely skeptical. Well, well, well I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm not like, I, I'm not completely opposed to it. Right.
1: I just thought of something else. So. Jane raised an important point, which is that um, it would disproportionately benefit people who could afford those drugs if you had to pay for them. But on the flip side, it would also disproportionately put poorer patients at risk who probably received less good care over the course of their illness and were in a more desperate state. And then you could sort of, in a weird way, take advantage of their desperation to test out this drug. That's true. So, yeah. it's a dicey territory. I, I
2: would just like to say that, Tony, if you were put in charge of running this program, I would believe in it full-heartedly. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't have faith in all of the actors that's um, that come together in this type of thing. To... And that's not really something I considered. Yeah.
3: So, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, you'd like to think that there, are the vast majority of physicians out there are ethical and wouldn't do things to take it, but...
1: I think we can all agree here that if something could improve the life of a cancer patient by even a little bit, like we're all in favor of that. Absolutely. But it right. is very gray about how to do it. And I
3: guess like the first thing that came to mind for me, this is, again, kind of shining light on how much I like food. Um, <laughs> but Grant Ockets, he's the chef at Alinea in Chicago, which is like a three Michelin star restaurant, one of the best restaurants in the world. Um, is a super interesting story. Uh, he ended up getting uh, stage four tongue cancer as a chef. So he couldn't taste anything. That's a problem. Uh, yeah. So. It's ironic. Basically, he went to a an oral uh, surgeon. And they told him they were going to have to, you know, take out his entire tongue, resect like his entire like right or left jaw, whichever side it was on and part of his neck. And then he was probably going to die in three months and then University of Chicago was doing like an experimental trial or something, and they said, hey, we think maybe this will help, and now he's cancer-free. So Mm -hmm. ideally, I guess that's where my mind is at, that if even if it's not all the way through the process of FDA approval yet, if there's some evidence that maybe this could be beneficial, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm looking at this from. The, The FDA
0: has said, essentially, We think we can work within this law to, you know, make sure that those things happen, Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure that, you know, patients are protected. Yeah. Um, at least that's their their goal. So it 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 could end up being a good thing. It could end up being, you know, something that turns out to be more complicated than the lawmakers thought it was going to be. I would say that's likely, mm -hmm. but, um, Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I want to get to one more thing before we go today. <laughs> and that is the Medical Student Performance Evaluation, or MSPE. Okay, so boring topic, right? Who cares? Mm. I don't know about that. If that's your attitude, got another thing coming. Mm.
3: Mm.
0: All right, so, and the reason I bring this up is because I spend an extensive portion of the summer and the fall, early, the early fall semester, writing these. But not mine. But not Tony's because I love you too much wow. Tony to write an objective and <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's the beginning of uh, MSPE season What am I talking about? I'm talking about the document that along with your board scores and grades Will determine will help determine anyway whether or not you get interviews for residency programs in your fourth year and thus Where you'll be working after graduation, so uh, I don't want to send you into a panic Tony mm. Are you, are you zenning out over the? Yes, he is. He's, he's meditating.
1: Palms up, eyes mm-hmm. closed. It
0: isn't the be all and end all, but it does have an impact. So the importance of the MSP varies by specialty. Um, but there are some stats collected by the double AMC from residency directors on that. For all specialties, uh, the MSPE is, this is all in aggregate. Um, the MSP is third most important of 33 factors in selecting applicants to interview. Um, and it's the eighth most important of 39 factors for ranking applicants.
1: That's significant.
0: Yeah, That's I mean important. it's- it, That's not insignificant. It is, right. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not the most important thing. I mean unfortunately, or fortunately depending on your, on your MSP, the, the board scores and, um, and your letters of recommendation are more important uh, overall. Um, But here's what this document is, is a dry, no-nonsense summary of your performance during essentially three years of medical school. By the time it's written, you'll have finished three years plus a tiny chunk of medical school. Uh, The American Association of Medical Colleges requires that schools write the MSP and make it available to residency programs so that they can take it into consideration when deciding who to interview and hire. Every grade you, re- you achieve, every comment you receive from your preclinical course facilitators and your clerkships are fair game for use in the MSPE. It's if like you, an evil Santa Claus. If you, <laughs> if you get into some sort of significant trouble, uh, failing a course, getting arrested, professional difficulties, things like that, those will end up in the MSPE. We are obligated to report those. Um, so, and the reason I want, I like to bring this up at this time of year uh, is because, and I haven't made, I haven't officially made this connection before, but the reason I like to bring it up this time of year is A, because I spent a significant portion of my summer doing it, and I'm never quite sure how important it is, although the, the statistics seem to indicate it is, but also that I think most students don't know what this is until they get to their third year. Did you know about the MSPE, uh,
2: Jayden? I knew it existed. Right. And did you know what was in it? I did not.
3: Yeah. It's basically, this is how I look at it. It's like in movies or TV shows when a character does something really bad and then the the principal's like, this is going to be on your permanent record. (laughs) That's what the MSP is. Yeah,
0: It is kind of um there are there are so let's so let's talk about what's in the MSPE aside from the generalities there is a noteworthy characteristics section
1: yeah just as a side note i'm really surprised there's no like non-disclosure agreement about this because like it, it's it must but every school
0: bit. does every school has to do it so there's no point in
1: you being know, secretive about what
0: and being secretive part. about Whatever. in fact the you know the double amc um sort of mandates how you know the structure of the document and what kinds of things go in it hmm. um Cool. So carry on. Anyway, there is a noteworthy characteristic session. Tony has already filled out this noteworthy mm-hmm. characteristic section, I believe, because I he was at uh, one of my guinea pigs mm-hmm. um, for the process this semester. Um, did you find it difficult to come up with three, or were you like, "Oh, no, this is easy"?
3: I came it. I I thought it was difficult to uh, limit it to three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: I John, admire you your ego
1: you for all of us in the room.
0: Some people will that's find wonderful. it difficult. Uh, one, just because you know, like, yeah. like <laughs> we're Midwestern nice and in 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 Iowa, you know, we're sort of like, oh, we're not supposed to talk good about
2: ourselves.
1: Well, I'm not Midwestern, but I'm Canadian. So
0: Canadian nice. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, You're actually nice. (laughs) It's not passive aggressive. Nice. Um, There's an academic history section, which includes, you know, some boring things like when you started med school, when you're going to end med school. But then it goes into things like or it goes into things like the problems, some of the problems you've had. So if you've come to some sort of significant misadventure, um, like, as I said, you get arrested or you have a professional situation that you had to go before the promotions committee, things like that. Uh, on the other side, honors and awards go in there. Um, if you t- had to take a leave of absence for any reason, that will, that will end up in there. Um, and, and some generality about why. Uh, preclinical grades and comments from your evaluation. So, you know, all those mass caps um,
3: <laughs> uh, uh, facilitator comments that you probably have forgotten about at this I point. I definitely
0: had...
1: Wow.
3: I made one joke in one of those groups. Normally, I like to joke around. No, If Uh. if you couldn't tell. So normally it's relatively well received, you know, no one says anything. (laughs) And uh, it was one of those like mass, I think it was like an ethics This is our medicine and society class. Yeah, it was something along those lines. And there is a a patient, theoretical patient we were talking about. And the, you know, the um, faculty member was super serious about everything. It was like, you know, Mm -hmm. what would we do in this scenario? Like, what's the next best step? And it was super quiet because every mass group ever in the history of ever is super quiet and no one talks. <laughs> People true. are afraid to share. Yeah. So after about 30 seconds of silence, I just said, corporal punishment. <laughs> and, and everyone laughed except for her. And then she like had a vendetta against me the entire rest of the time. So that maybe will show up in mine. Yeah. You got to watch that sense of humor, Tony. I know. I know. Uh, let's see what
0: else. Um... Clinical clerkship grades and comments, of course, those will, those are fair game. Then there's a summary written by the faculty where they've, you know, they've met with you, the, the faculty signatory, we'll say. Um, they've met with you and they've discussed your plans and your thoughts and your dreams and your, you know, your record and all that kind of stuff. And their job is to sort of distill that down into a, you know,
3: three paragraph description of like, you know your suitability for. I thought it was going to be like a Freudian in- analysis. By the way you described it, not, not. <laughs> hopefully not. Is that You'd person- be in trouble, Mister Poop. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that means.
0: <laughs> and then there's a couple of tables and graphs that. This is the scariest part. The second. tables and graphs that compare oh.
3: you to your cohort. Oh okay. I think I just threw
0: up oh, my mouth. My
2: goodness. Goodness.
1: <laughs> I have to run to the bathroom all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. In oh. to
3: that, <laughs> uh, I was going to pause the recording.
1: So, the signatory, though, just to take a step back, is that someone you choose or are they assigned to, to you? They are assigned to you.
0: But they're generally your, your faculty, uh, community faculty director in our case. Shout it's out it's to Dr. different
3: in. Hashtag de- best signatory ever. Yeah, forever. It's going to depend
0: on the school, mm. of course. Sure. So, listeners elsewhere, It'll be different for you. Um, so, yeah, that's why I bring it up now because we're just starting it and because I think we could do a better job of telling people about this. I mean, essentially what I want you to know, um, people out there in listener land, is if you're in med school, as soon as you start med school, you
3: are already writing this mm-hmm. Uh MSP is your purpose to in- induce like overwhelming anxiety no it's okay. working all of our yeah. my listeners
1: purpose got acute cases of IBS My yeah, purpose
3: right? is to my purpose is to did I just drink a cup of milk or am I
0: imagining this? <laughs> <laughs> my purpose is to um, Is to say that You are you're already writing this MSPE as soon as you start in med school that's number one number two The reason I'm bringing it up now is because that's kind of an important thing to know. Like you, you know, one of the things I would like all medical students to do is not only look at their clerkship comments and their, or their, their, the comments that they get from facilitators and clerkships as they come in, but also very important, very important to take those comments and, and things and look at them in totality Mm -hmm. all at the same time A couple of times a semester, because what I'm looking for in the MSP is a pattern.
1: I was exactly about to say that. Yeah, thank you. This is terrifying, but people probably should be reminded that like one bad thing or two bad things is not going to kill you. Exactly. and it's egregious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we do get to make judgments to some extent about what is... In, uh, what ends up in the MSPE? I mean, if it's, if there's a pattern, then we are obligated to bring that pattern out, positive or negative. Most students have no problems, mm. right? Um, occasionally, there will be some. And and my and one of the things that I notice is that people come in and they look at their MSP after I've written, and they're like, "Wow, I had no idea that I was so awesome.
1: Hmm. That's fantastic." So it's a con- more than. More often than not, it's a confidence More often
0: than thing. that, it's a confidence-building thing. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, there are always a few people who are like, oh, shit, <laughs> I didn't realize that it was going to potentially look this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I want all medical students to look through their comments, look at them in total. If your school doesn't provide you a way to do that, do it on your own. Um, because you never know what you're going to... Like, when you put it all together, you never know what you're going to find, which what's going to come out.
1: I was going to say, something that's... Uh, <laughs> you're proceed. still stuck on the poop, Tony. Proceed. Yes, <laughs> proceed. We will. Um, something that I think is not emphasized enough about the personal growth aspect of going to med school is how much self-awareness you gain, I think, as a, as a person, mm-hmm. um, and how... Much of a better understanding you gain of yourself and how you come off to other people and the impression you want to create of yourself and whether or not that's congruent with, you know, the way you actually come off.
0: Yeah. I mean, and this is to some extent by design. I mean, going to, you know, becoming a physician, you're placed in a position of trust that other people do not enjoy or do not not suffer, a, suffer yes <laughs> <laughs> but you know like it, it, it's incumbent upon you to become the best possible you you that you can be in order to do your job
1: yeah create at least that's, that's traditionally pressure. the
0: way it's looked at mm-hmm. I mean no pressure here but
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's true right interesting you wouldn't want a shitty person as your family medicine doctor might be fine with that asset. Maybe
3: if they I don't know, a GI doctor. <laughs> um, oh, Tony!
1: Low-hanging fruit, right there.
3: <laughs> as so, uh, as my Italian grandma would say, "Remember your name." I like that phrase a lot.
0: Mm, I, I think I know what that means.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's one of those things that I don't know if I'm going through something or things are kind of weird in life because life is life. I kind of take a step back sometimes and it's like, oh, remember my name. And it's, as, as long as I am being genuine to who I am and being a good person, it it's really doesn't get any simpler than that to me. In med school, like you're gonna screw up, you're gonna look dumb. I put my surgical mask on inside out and was made fun of by the whole team and I just laughed at myself too because it was hilarious. All that stuff's going to happen. Yeah, um, and and yeah. To to further, to
0: to make sure you understand, the MSP is not the place for that. No, that stuff no, doesn't no, no, end no. up in the MSP. <laughs> like we're not going to talk about. We're we're not going to belabor the you know the things that you
3: needed to learn. Right. That's when why I'm you saying. Were, right. You know, at a baseline, it's like you're a nice human being. You show up on time there's not going to be much for anyone to say other than the the patented phrase of just keep learning or yeah. just keep reading. Right. Uh, uh, the most common bit of feedback. Yeah. Um, Learn more things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like that. I like that perspective of, you know, acting in a way that's in line with your values and your convictions and, and being true to yourself. I think that's quite important actually. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't get emphasized enough. It is hard to do that though in the clinic where the, a huge portion of your grade depends on creating the right impression for the person who's evaluating you Mm -hmm. and sometimes what the evaluation ends up being is dependent on the mood that that person was in that day or when they had eaten or
0: yeah that's that's another thing that you have to watch out for when you're doing these is you know Mm -hmm. is some is this comment an outlier right Mm -hmm. or does it describe who you are as a person if it's a you know it's sort of a one off I'm not you know that doesn't seem like an important thing mm-hmm. you know if you were having a bad day or if they were having a bad day you know it's not important um, and I guess the only other thing I would say about this is you if you if you show up consistently you know ninety nine percent of life is just showing up so if you show up consistently totally true. and you are projecting and the the kind of person that you want to be i.e. hopefully that you want to be i.e. somebody who wants to learn and who wants to be helpful and who wants to succeed Mm -hmm. you know
1: you can't go wrong you can't
0: really go too wrong with that i mean you know on the other hand if you're like completely failing to learn medicine you know, while you're projecting those images, like you're just some sort of bumbling, you know, like cuckoo person, despite your best intentions, well, that's going to be a problem. But mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Did you guys ever watch Scrubs when it was on? Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Six or seven times through. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a
2: pattern with you. <laughs> that's your pattern.
1: We're all revealing how much TV we we're, watch. We were relax. talking
2: about routines. My routines is like The Office, Scrubs, The West Wing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good TV is important. I was just thinking about that one character, nervous, sweaty guy, and how like oh god, the intern who just like does Mm -hmm. terribly at caring for patients, and he's always really anxious, and and then one day he figures out like yeah, Doug, Doug. that's it. Oh, Jaden, very nice, very nice. You studied, (laughs) didn't you? (laughs) Um, I think like one day he like ends up in the path department or like in the morgue or whatever and like finds out he has a knack for it and then suddenly he like finds his confidence and he's like strutting around the hospital and making fun of other people there's something for everyone in medicine Mm -hmm. and you're not you're not going to be great at everything but you will find that one place that's right for you eventually that is
0: actually really important Um, medicine it turns out You know, like people don't know people know sort of the general paths you can take in medicine when they come to medical school they know the the careers That they can get into they know what they will be called. I will be called a pathologist I will be called a family medicine doctor. I will be called but within those paths If you focus on something and become expert in that thing so you know I was talking to dr. Katie Imberek who is um, the LGBTQ clinic Um, director here at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This became her thing. She is a family medicine physician, but her thing and she does that also, but her thing is caring for LGBTQ patients.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, That's what she has become, that's the career that she has made for herself.
1: Yeah, she's like the go-to person for that is my understanding.
0: So when you find that thing, you know, that's where you draw your confidence from maybe you won't find it you know during med school i um, she found it after med school um, due to f- fortuitous events and, and also just being prepared but um, th- you know once you get that thing once you start getting an inkling of like oh wait I'm actually pretty good at X mm-hmm. and I'm actually enjoying myself at X you just have to endure the many but, weeks of many weeks and months of like I don't know what this is
3: but it's not for me. I guess kind of taking it back though to that like saying my grandma always tells me literally every time I talk to her on the phone she'll say that. Um, she sounds cute she is cute sounds cute yeah Yeah, she's sicilian she's don't cute. forget your name i can <laughs> she's, just she's not irish I'm, 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 <laughs> she doesn't have a brogue. despite being half italian i'm <laughs> yeah. terrible at the italian accent. um <laughs>
0: don't forget your name yeah little tony. Uh,
3: there we go <laughs> just to be a completely stereotypical because
1: you are that's a right
3: yeah that's totally true um but i feel like you don't even need. and don't forget tony that your primary concern in life is a Deep dish of pizza from Lumalati's, from Luman, whatever, not Giordano's, okay. Um, <laughs>
1: not DiGiorno's, a tombstone especially. pizza from the <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: kill- sorry, you're I'm... killing me, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I don't think you even need to find the thing that you're good at, yeah. Because I think to me, that's what like the whole remember your name thing is it's like it doesn't matter if I'm blowing this out of the water. It doesn't matter if I've gotten every single question wrong that they've asked me, because if I am putting in the, the hardest, like most sincere amount of work that I can, mm-hmm. I'm showing up, I'm being my, like, I can't do any more than that. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is something for me to be proud of. Yeah. And that's part of being prepared for when that
0: hopefully lightning strikes you and goes, mm-hmm. like, the good lightning strikes you and you're like, oh, I know what. I know what I'm supposed to do here. Right.
1: I've actually heard it said that your specialty finds you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're not even really aware of what you want to do until you get there. And then you just blend in.
3: So I have a yep. quick story about that. It, it's really weird because I decided I was like 95% of the way to neurology. And then recently it's, I mean, that's definitely what I'm going to do. But so I did my neurology sub eye. And then two weeks after that, my Italian grandma had a stroke. Mm. A week after that, my other grandma fell and got a small subdural hematoma. Mm. While I was working at the ED, I made like two or three neurology related diagnoses that all of the ER docs were like, we never in a million years would have guessed that's what was going on. So it's it was weird, like within two or three months and both of my grandmas are doing really well good I was really worried about that my (laughs) grandma my grandma can still tell me to remember my name I didn't want to interrupt yeah I really wanted to (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, they're both doing well but it it was this weird kind of like serendipitous thing that like I just did my neurology sub internship that's a month solid of stroke my grandma has a stroke So now all of a sudden I'm the person in my family that everyone's asking these questions to and saying is this good is this bad what is this Mm -hmm. and I don't know it was just kind of strange that it, it really did all of a sudden just like floodgates opened and after my other grandma fell I was like all right whatever you are whatever force that is I get the picture I'm gonna do neurology you don't have to prove it to me anymore like no one else needs to fall or have a stroke. The sale it. has
1: been made. Yeah,
3: <laughs> we we understand. I heard you loud and clear. So, yeah oh, that's
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Did you say you knew already that you were going to go to neuro, and then that happened, and it solidified?
3: Yeah, it's like I knew most likely, but was still a little bit iffy. Mm-hmm. And then all of that happened, and it was like, well, it couldn't have been made much more obvious. Sure. Than. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe. Do you guys know?
1: No. I mean I'm I'm keeping myself open to the possibilities. I don't want also, to close the door on anything.
0: Also very important. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Give I think well, so to answer your question, I, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be path and you know, for a variety of reasons, but I think Something that's important is just giving yourself over to the process. You know, keeping an open mind, keeping an open heart, doing your best, like Tony is saying. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important so that you give every specialty a fair shot at winning you over. Yep. But. Yeah. Jane, what about you?
2: I still don't know what most specialties do. <laughs> so, <laughs> fair
0: enough. Yeah. I've I'm missing
1: some key The young resources. bucket. Yeah. You've, got,
0: you've got the super baseline, like, okay, you know, neurologists work with neurons basically <laughs> brain.
1: it's in the name
0: yeah. yeah yeah. Um. well thank you so much for letting me talk about MSPs and about you know how to you know use them how to get to the point where they can help you without getting to the point where they can sink you Um
1: yeah like wearing white after Labor Day yeah
0: like that. that would be a terrible mm, idea hey so, listeners if you want one of these uh, nifty short coat podcast key fobs I've got uh, you can have one all you have to do is leave a review on your Apple podcast app or post about us somewhere on the interwebs Where medical students or pre-meds hang out send us a screenshot to the at gmail.com Just like uh, Tyler and Melanie and a couple of other people did this And Megan 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 sent in a, a uh, Also did a, a re- review. I appreciate that Megan um, you can send that to the shortcodes at gmail.com, and I will send you one of your very home of, co- of your very own, of course,
3: include your address. That would help. Um, Keep me- in mind, I'm half Italian and this podcast doesn't respond well to bad reviews yeah oh wow <laughs> the sicilian envy. i wasn't aware yeah. of this yeah well,
1: enforcement process yeah. Tony. just leave a
3: review i i always check out people's thumbs when i'm walking around <laughs> see what i'm working with
0: <laughs> meantime we'll be putting a link to all the topics we discuss in this episode show notes at theshortcoat.com but for now that is our show tony aline Jaden, thank you so much for hanging taking the time to hang out with me
3: always and forever
0: dave and thank you listeners for making us a part of your week if you like what heard today we hope we've earned your subscription not only do we give out free key fobs but we give free advice like we did for Megan it might even be good advice so send your questions or whatever you like to the at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 347 short ct we'll talk about it on the show the show is made possible by a generous donation by carver college of medicine student government and ongoing support from the writing and humanities program our executive producer is jason lewis our opening music is by dr vox and our closing music is by catmosphere talk to you in one week uh